If you don't have your Bibles uh, with you, you can use the Bible that's in the chair or pew and turn to page 886 to the Gospel of John. We've been dealing with the names of God thus far this year, beginning in September, and we're going to continue with that in the New Testament context by considering the names of Jesus and that are given in the book of John. And this one is perhaps not as obvious from one sense, like there are those that are very obvious where he says, I am the vine, and we will deal with that one, or I am the resurrection and the life. I am the light of the world. This one is perhaps the one said more than anything else. Uh, And it's said in this way, the one who sent me. So that he is the sent one. And the father, of course, is the sending one. Uh, You cannot emphasize this too much as as to its application in the book of John, because in Matthew, Mark and Luke, only once or twice is it even mentioned that he is the one sent by God. Thirty nine times in John it is referred to. That he is the one sent by God. This shows that it is an overwhelming theme. It is a central theme. It almost defines John. And it's, it begins in the very first verses of John. And you see in John this whole story told that he was with God, had particular intimacy with God, was sent from God to fully reveal God and accomplish that work of God and then returned to be God. It was uh, with God. He was, it was a round trip, so to speak, because he, he talks m- many, many times about returning to the Father and going to the Father as well as having been sent by the Father. Now, maybe I can throw out a little bit of a teaser to get you interested in what may sound like an abstract thing. Uh, the fact that he is the sent one is is like hearing that there is a will that your great uncle has established and you're included in it because he is sent for you. He is sent for you. So everything about this has to do with the mercy and love of God shown in Christ. And it really redefines God he, he can never be thought of, if ever he was, uh, as the unapproachable, uh, lifted up God who has, uh, for whom there is no access. He is always now the God who has sent his son, the God who has come in his son. And so this uh, huge theme is one that just pervades John. And we're going to try to get at, at it. And we're going to try to get at it in just relatively few minutes. So that's impossible. And so uh, may God be with us as we seek to do this. I'm going to read several portions from John. So you'll just have to follow along with me to get a feel for just how many times or, or just the, the different ways in which this is said. Certainly, we won't read all 39 uh, passages that speak of his being sent, but just to give you a feel of. What John is setting forth, beginning with verse one of chapter one, page eight hundred eighty six. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God 
And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Then in verse 14, and the word, this one that was with God, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And notice in verse 18, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the father's side. He has made him known. So here's his grand summary statement that he was with God and he came and made him known. Now go with me, please, to chapter three, verses thirty four and thirty five. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he, that is the father, gives the spirit understood to the son without measure. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. Then chapter five, verse 19. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing for whatever the father does that the son does. Likewise, for the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing and greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel for as the father raises the dead and gives them life. So also the son gives life to whom he will. The father judges no one. But is given all judgment to the son that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Verse 26, for as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. In verse 30, I can do nothing on my own as I hear, I judge and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Then please turn to chapter seven, verse 28. Seven, twenty-eight. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple You know me and you know where I come from. So they thought, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true and him you do not know. I know him for I come from him and he sent me. See how much he's emphasizing that. that, And and that goes back to chapter one. He was with God and came in the flesh. Verse 42 of this same chapter has another word of uh, uh, no, no, let's turn over to uh, chapter eight now again. Verse 28. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the father taught me and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And then verse 42, if God were your father, you would love me 
for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. And then finally, chapter 12, verse 49. For I have not, 1249 on page 900. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Let us pray. Lord, bless us to understand more of who you are as God, Father and Son, and what you have accomplished, who you are to us, that we may believe you and rejoice in you. For Jesus' sake, amen. First of all, then, is the unique relationship that the Son has with the Father. There's a unique intimacy and access that the Son has. He is one with the Father. He was with the Father before the world began. In the presence of the Father. And we had these phrases, the Father loves the Son and He imparts all things to the Son. He loves the Son and therefore He gives Him all things. He shows Him all things. There is complete transparency between them. There is a complete transfer of all that the Father is. He shows Him because He loves Him all that He Himself is doing. So everything is committed over to the Son. Everything is shown Him. Judgment is His. Power to give life to whomever he will is his. He has the full package from the Father. He is the full package from the Father. So we we begin then with this unique, incredible relationship of the Father and the Son, where everything that the Father is and does and knows is all now the Son's. And the Son then is to convey that completely to us. The point I want to make in this first one is that the sent one is the loved one. He's the eternally beloved one. And several times Jesus speaks about how he is loved of the Father. And that has high implications for you and me to recognize the intimacy of that relationship. Because it says in John 16, 27, the father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Notice, you cannot have a love relationship with God unless you love his son and you believe that he came from God. So the thing we must know about God, the thing we must know about Jesus Christ is this intimate relationship they have and that the Father has sent him for us, that he has come from God. You can't know God now except as the God who gave his son. It's the only God there is. And that begins to immediately separate us from all other religions that want to say it's all the same. We all worship the same God. No, we 
say that the God of the world is the God who has given his son, who was in eternal relationship with his son. And that he will love us only in our trust in Jesus Christ and our believing that he has come. It says in John 14, 21, he who loves me will be loved by my father. How highly offensive it will be to the father for you to reject the son that he loves and has love from all eternity and has sent into the world for us. So we recognize the unique relationship that Christ, the the Lord Jesus has with the father, the son with the father. Secondly, the unique revelation that he gives us of the father. It's one of the most amazing statements in John 5, 19 that we read where Jesus says, I do nothing on my own initiative. He does nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. Now, as even uh, such a liberal commentator as Bultmann points out, this is not to show that he's subordinate to the father. It is because actually he is able to do all that the father does. This is a high expression of his deity. All that the father does, the unlimited power and accomplishment of the father, the son does. Only God could do such a thing. But his point is here, I do nothing that opposes him or rivals him. I only do what is in full agreement with him. His will is my will. My will is his. There's no division. There are no two directions. My every impulse is his impulse. My every move is his move. My every work is his work. And as he says in other places, my every word is his word. Whatever you see, then, is an exact expression of the father. I never oppose him. I never displease him. So you see, any criticism of Christ automatically is a criticism of the father because you are getting the father full blown when you get Christ. Because that's all he is and does is expresses the will and the work of the father. And this is amazing because we don't ever need to separate and say God is the reluctant partner, the father and the son is the one that that brings us together where the father kind of had his back and the, and the son reconciles. No, it, he even says, I, I do nothing except what I see the father does. That means that the son saw in the father the love that would die for his people. And that's why he lived it out. You see, the very love expressed on the cross is what the son saw in the father and expressed in his work. He does nothing except what he sees in the father. And so gloriously, everything we see the son do, we know that we're being confronted with the father in his love. Read me, Jesus says, and you will be able to read God himself. And that's why at this point, Ritterboss says that God can only be known and honored in no other way but in the son now, because that is where he manifests himself. That is where he shows himself. 
It's not that the son is being honored next to or besides God as a second party where he says in the same chapter that he'll be honored as God. It means that the father is receiving his honor as we honor the son, because the son is showing forth the glory of the father in all that he does. That's the inseparable nature of the father and the son. That's why Jesus can say the word you hear is not mine, but the fathers who sent me. John fourteen twenty four, John seven sixteen. My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. And we can multiply those. It's also why in chapter five, when Jesus says, you do not believe me and you don't do not receive me. Therefore, the love of God is not in you. You have no love of God. Because you do not receive me, you do not believe in me, and I am expressing to you the very nature and glory and beauty of God. Therefore, you do not love God because you have rejected me. He is exactly like his father. He has exactly the same purpose of his father He wants the same thing as his father. He has the same desire and love and holiness and beauty and goodness of his father. Everything that the son expresses is of the father. All of his judgment, all of his work. And that's why Jesus is able to say, my work bears witness that the father has sent me. His works show that he sent from the father. They're none other than the father's work. They have the father all over them. This is God's stuff. This is father stuff coming through the son. He says, my works just bear witness. This could come from nowhere else but the father. So. We do not honor the father unless we honor the son, because it is in the son that we have access to the father. You see. When Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, it's not like he's this tunnel through which somewhere we get along with the Father. But in embracing him, you embrace the Father. You embrace God himself in embracing the Son. So their identity could not be more clearly expressed. There's a unique relationship and access and intimacy that he has with the Father to hear his word, to see him, to know him. And he then uniquely expresses exactly who the father is, a unique relationship, a unique revelation. Thirdly, then, we have to understand that this is the God that is revealed to us, the God who sins and the God who is sent. And I was really hard pressed to say, how do I title this? Because so often Jesus says he's really speaking of the one who sent me. And so that's a new name of God, virtually the God who sends the son. Um, and of course, this was always the case that he is that God of love, that God who would send his son. But now it's being revealed what kind of God he really is. He's not different than he had been from eternity. It's just now being unveiled to us. Now, as the uh, the girl comes down, having gotten ready for three hours for the prom and he the little boyfriend's there and he's watching and she comes down the stairs and it's just like, oh, whoa. In fact, it was so cute. Kay, Kay was trying on uh, uh, mother of the bride dresses last night. 
And she came out with one and I said, whoa, like that, you know. And this dear lady that was helping out, she said, how long y'all been married? I said, 28 years. He said, he still says, whoa. (laughs) I wasn't thinking about it, but that was just amazing to her that after 28 years, he still says, whoa. (laughs) But you see, this is God's, in a sense, and I hope that I don't mean to belittle his appearance, but this is God's grand open opening of himself, his his coming down the stairs, as it were, he's coming into the light fully so that we can see who is it. This is the red carpet display of his glory, you see. Showing himself in his son that he is the God who sins. That means he is the God who comes to save. He is the rescuing God, the dying God, the raising from the dead God, the drawing God to himself. That's who he is. Ruderbaugh says, in sending his son, God was in fact revealing himself to them and making himself known as he really was. This is who God is. He was, then we must open ourselves up to the gracious disposition that prompted God to send his son. There is no other God but this God of amazing grace. And that's why in chapter one, when it speaks of him, his becoming flesh, he says, we've seen his glory. And what did this glory show? It was full of grace and truth. As we saw those words, it means it's speaking of his unchangeable graciousness, his unquestioning mercy, his enduring, his ever and always love, his forever promised love, that steadfast, loyal, unswerving love. Full of grace and truth. That's what's been revealed to us in Christ. He is forever the one who has sent his son. And this gracious God has made himself known to be tasted and believed on through the son. To be delighted in through the son. To be treasured in the son. And you see the sacrifice that the son makes. Where did he draw that from? He saw it from the the father who has that kind of sacrificial love. And that's why he so pleased the father. That's why the father in the very death of his son said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased because he is perfectly manifesting my love. This is God's showing of himself to the world. This is his unveiling to us. The one of unlimited spellbinding beauty, seeking for himself those who are so terribly fallen and compromised and corrupted. How glorious that he came in this way. And finally, well, let me just mention this part of his sending I'd never noticed this really until this passage and and, and taking in so much about the one who who sent him. But the Lord Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. And it struck me the one who sins is the one who draws. The one who sent the son has a final end in view 
to draw people to himself. He is the sending, drawing God so that we will indeed come to him. We will, in, we will join ourselves to the, the son and submit to him. And you think, did we have anything to do with the sending? Did we conceive it? Did we urge it on God? Did we imagine it? No, we're all utterly helpless. He's the one who sent the son and he in a powerful way draws us. And even in the sending, there would be no final salvation unless the father then drew us. This is all his work, all his doing. If you believe in Christ, it's because he sent his son and then he drew you to his son so that you would trust him. But the final most and this is really an amazing statement that Jesus makes at the end of John. And here's some personal application for us. Chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them, peace be with you as the father has sent me. Even so, I am sending you. Now, what really blows my mind afresh about this is seeing the incredible, unique sending of the Son, the unique relationship that he had with the Father, the unique revelation. How could there be any other sending spoken in the same breath as that? You see? I mean, how could he say, as the Father has sent me, so I send you? No, no. We can't express what we can't accomplish his work. We can't manifest the father as he did that. How can he do that? But he says it as the father has sent me. Even so, I'm sending you. Now, one interesting thing is the verb tense here is not as the father sent me. That would be what's called an aorist in the Greek, which means it, it happened and it's done with. But it's the perfect tense, which has this sense It was done and it continues to the present. So it means that as the father has sent me and he is always the one who is sent to this day, he is the one who is sent. And there's the implication that now in sending us, it is fully accomplishing the whole point of his being sent. And that means that we are an extension of the sending of Christ. It's it has to do with its permanent effect. The father has sent me and there's a permanent effect of that having been sent. And now it's working itself out as I send you so that the work of Christ is becoming effective in the lives of his people. Jesus alluded to this, didn't he, in John chapter six, where he says all that the father gives me will come to me. That means all the people in the 19th century, in the 20 and the 21st and 22nd or however many centuries we have left, all of them will come to me. He's got a continuing work. The Father who sent the Son to continually draw people to the Son. This ties in with chapter 14 where he says, Greater works will you do because I go with the father and it shows that Jesus work continues. It didn't end when he was on earth. It now continues as he's at the right hand of God. So it is amazing that we could be included somehow in this. 
We, though, communicate to others what Christ has accomplished. We become the go-between. By our living out His love and proclaiming His love, we bring His work and Word to bear on other people's lives. He was a perfect representation. We're imperfect, but we do have His Spirit. We do have the same Spirit that He had. He has given us that Spirit. And He did say, in spite of your weakness and sinfulness, living water will pour forth from you by My mighty power. He is still manifesting the Father's love to the world by communicating Himself to others through our word and work. And people, this should make us tremble. Others will taste of Christ because of us. Isn't that amazing? Others will taste of the one the Father has sent and they will come into union with God because of words that we can speak. Words of the Gospel. And because of the witness of our lives, of love for one another and love to others, that alongside of the gospel, some way God uses to communicate. So you must never think of yourself in any other way but a sent one. This is this defined God. He's the one who sins. Christ is always the one who is sent. And now his being sent is manifesting itself in our being sent. This defines your life. And as Jesus said of himself in John 4.34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. My food, my whole life is bound up in this work that the Father has given me to do. And your and my life is a full range of human enjoyment, of cultural production, creation involvement, yes. But at the heart of it, in all of our circumstances, in all of our privileges and responsibilities and relationships, at the heart of it we can say, we are the sent ones from Jesus Christ. Even as the Father sent the Son, the Son has sent us. And we now are the living touchstones for people in this world to come to grips with the living God and have a hope of eternal life. So Peter said, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. And we go forth as a community because as Jesus prayed, make them one so that the world will know that You sent Me. See, the world will understand that Jesus came from the Father as You and I love one another. So, we go forth. We are sent as a community of love. And we can be nothing but a community of love if we're going to be used by Him. Just as Jesus said that He was not of the world, but He came from the Father, now He says to us, you are no longer of the world, but I've called you out of the world, into the world, as a light in the world.
Praise be God that this is our position in Him. And may it define us this year and every year as the sent ones from Jesus Christ. Let us pray. O Lord, we honor You as the unique Son of God, the unique One who is in the bosom of the Father, who has all things from the Father and gives us all things from the Father. You who showed forth the love of God. You who has made Him known and unveiled Him to us so that we see Him as the God who seeks, who saves, who draws. The God who dies for His people. The God who is the Good Shepherd that lays down His life. The God who came to give us abundant life. The God who raises us from the dead. The God who causes us to be born again. Oh Lord, we pray that we will give ourselves completely to Your will. That we will walk in the footsteps of our Lord as now He has sent us. And we will say with the Lord Jesus, My food is to do the will of Him who has sent me. May we each, Lord, see ourselves in Fort Worth, wherever else someone may be from, as sent by Jesus Christ to show forth the light and glory of Christ. Oh, Lord, what dignity, what glory given to sinners. We praise you and honor you. And we confess, Lord, that we have not given ourselves to your will, that we have not That in so many ways it has not been our food to do your will. It has not been our delight. Lord, we pray, work in our hearts that we will look like Christ. That we will have the passions of Christ and the love of Christ. The devotion of Christ. The desire of Christ to bring glory to his Father. That we will want to bring glory to our Father even as he did. Lord, we confess our sin to you. We confess our weakness and our helplessness. We confess what Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Lord, it is only because your life is in us that you are the vine and we are the branches. That living water has been planted in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. That that we can indeed live out new lives of obedience. We afresh fall before you. And declare our dependence, Lord. Our absolute dependence. Our Lord was dependent. How much more must we be dependent? Our Lord believed you and trusted you. How much more must we? Oh, Lord, grant it to us. And grant that if anyone here has not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation, their happiness, their eternal well-being, for a change in their life, to become conformed to the love of God through Christ. Oh, we ask You, Lord, work in their hearts even now that though in darkness they will not continue and they will not reject the One who is sent from God. Oh, Lord, bless them. Draw them even now. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.